All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. So how long should you expect to be in therapy? How long is this going to take? Well, that's a really good question. And the answer is approximately four months from start to finish, about an hour at a time. That is to say one hour per session, about one session per week for about four months. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that from your first psychometric measurement of how severe your symptoms are to the very last session called termination, approximately four months. So during that time, you're going to work to reduce your symptom severity and increase your uh, familiarity and mastery of clinical skills that you'll use to reduce your overall symptomatology and maintain your progress over time. So maybe that sounds like a bunch of fancy jargon, but the punchline is about four months. Now, Are there any cases that go longer than four months? Sure, absolutely. Are there cases that go shorter? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've treated people in in approximately two weeks before, and I've treated people in more than a year. I mean, sure, there's divergence across cases, but the average case is approximately four months. I'd say that's probably one of the the most frequently asked questions at the top of a case. How long is this going to take? Some people ask the question because they've been in therapy already for so long. They've been from therapist to therapist, suffering for years and years at a time. And here they are now wondering, well, how long should this take? How long is this going to take? Uh, and the answer is about four months. Other people you know, might ask the question because they only have so many dollars left to allocate to psychotherapy. And there's this big question mark in their mind of how much is this going to cost? You know, what am I going to get out of spending the last X number of dollars on therapy? What should I expect to get out of this? How long is it going to take? Or or people might uh, might uh, be asking the question because their suffering is so acute and it's so intense that at this particular moment in time, they're they're asking with a desperation in their voice, how long until I start feeling better? And the answer for everybody is about four months. Beyond that, the answer is I cannot tell you. I learned a long time ago that I can't possibly uh, 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 predict how this or that case is going to go. I, I, I learned uh, to sort of explain that, you know, the, the reality is that there's, there's too many variables in any case to be able to say, this is what it looks like a week from now. This is what it looks like a month from now. This is how you're going to be feeling. This is what's going to be going on. I can't possibly tell you that because again, there are too many variables at play. So let's talk about some of the variables that are at play. The the first of those is uh, is the therapeutic uh, approach. Uh, is your therapist using an evidence-based protocol? Uh, is your therapist uh, engaging a form of talk therapy? 
many of you listening to this podcast are, you know, you're, you're pretty familiar with talk therapy. You've been doing talk therapy or you've done it, done it in the past. And you're pretty familiar with the, uh, you know, the, the general lack of e- efficacy of, of talk therapy, right? So there's this question of, uh, is what my therapist is doing, is it effective? Is it proven uh, to, uh, to result in a reduction in symptom severity? Is, is it, do we know that it's been studied? Do we know that it's, it's been uh, scrutinized empirically and that there's good outcome data? Do we know that? So is my therapist using an evidence-based protocol? Or I suppose we could say it this way, is my therapist doing what he or she is supposed to be doing? Right? And that's a pretty big question when it comes to how long is this going to take? Well, it sort of depends on whether or not we're using an evidence-based protocol to get results. Okay, so is my therapist doing what he or she is supposed to be doing? The second variable is, is the client, is the patient doing what he or, or she is supposed to be doing, right? So are, are you engaging the protocol? There's that old idea that we know that certain uh, protocols in psychotherapy uh, work, but patients have to work the protocol, right? So, so psychotherapy only works if you work the psychotherapy, right? There's this, there's a sense in which therapists and their clients work together in tandem to achieve certain uh, results. And and both uh, of them each has to bring his or her uh, own role uh, to bear in order to achieve those results. If the therapist doesn't show up, as a competent practitioner armed with evidence-based processes, well, why are we going to therapy? Uh, Then again, if the patient doesn't show up ready to, uh, to kick the OCD's ass, then guess what? Why are we going to therapy, right? There there is this idea that we have to be able to work together. We're working together to achieve a result. You have your role, your therapist has his or her role, and that's the way it goes. We have to be able to work together, right? I I suppose another variable uh, might be this notion that, um, you know, uh, the frequency of sessions per week, right? So when I say I've treated somebody in two weeks, well, that was was with uh, the individual being seen not only once a day, but twice a day, right? Engaging two exposure sessions, two different exposure sessions daily with homework in between. So it's really three exposures a day for 14 days straight. And yeah, at the end of that, we're able to reduce uh, uh, extreme, not just severe, but extreme symptom severity all the way down to subclinical symptom severity. Yeah, but that's with three hours, really more like four hours of intense, hands-on skill building, skill working, right? Evidence-based process, three to four hours a day, seven days a week for two weeks, right? On the other hand, if we're only doing one session per week, well, we're not going to get better in two weeks. It's going to be, you know, more uh, elongated. It's going to be a longer process, right? So, so when we're talking about how long is this going to take, well, the first variable is 
well, is my therapist doing what he or she is supposed to be doing? And, and I can't answer that. I don't know. Uh, but uh, the evidence-based protocol for OCD is exposure and response prevention, right? For some of these diagnostic categories, we might look at, you know, two or three or four different uh, modalities or, or therapeutic approaches that have some research that supports them. And I suppose in some ways that's true for OCD too. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, sure, there is definitely some research that, that suggests it is effective for symptom reduction. Uh, in fact, uh, exposure and response prevention is really uh, a grandchild, if you will. It's a specific application of CBT. It's not CBT itself, not really. Uh, many clinicians will refer to CBT and uh, EXRP as if they're synonyms, and they're really not. They're really not. There are some important differences between CBT and and EXRP or or ERP. Uh, but but when it comes down to it, you could say that exposure and response prevention is really a specific application of CBT uh, for for OCD, right? So is my therapist uh, doing something that works, right? That that's the first variable. The second is, am I meeting my therapist there, right? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, and then the third of the variables uh, is, and how, how often am I, be, am I being seen, right? So, well, let's talk, if we could, another moment here about, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, okay? So, uh, in my years of doing this work, I've sort of learned that there there are some important pillars. There's some really uh, necessary elements uh, to the to the exposure and ritual prevention process. And what I've kind of learned, and I've learned it the hard way through the years, is that if some of these elements are missing, if some corners get cut, right, what that generally means is the likelihood that a person is going to respond favorably and quickly to therapy diminishes, right? Corners get cut and okay, well, the results may not be quite as apparent, may, may, may not be quite as uh, poignant, may not be quite as quick. Okay. Uh, so, we, uh, you know, we, we cut corners and, and that doesn't mean nothing, right? It ends up meaning something somewhere. And usually it means something in terms of symptom reduction and the time in which that happens. Okay. I hope that that makes sense. So, so what, what are these elements? What are they? Well, I, I often call them the five pillars, right? So when I'm orienting someone to psychotherapy with regard to OCD, so if they're meeting diagnostic criteria for OCD, and we're going to go ahead and engage the therapeutic protocol to reduce symptom severity, there's five pillars, right? So we're talking about, uh, you know, sort of a set of procedures, right? We, we got this, this situation on our hands, and, and now there's a protocol for the situation. There's a, there's a set of procedures to take us from, you know, point A, the point of danger, you know, to point B, the point of safety. So how do we get from point A to point B? Well, there's a therapeutic protocol, if you will, uh, for taking us from a place of intense symptomatology to a place of subclinical symptomatology. And, uh, and well, like I say, with, with regard to OCD, there's five pillars, uh, at least as I call them, five pillars. The first pillar you're not going to be surprised to hear is go to therapy, right? Uh, so in other words, I'm not going to sit here and, and say to somebody who, uh, who doesn't go to therapy that you're going to get better. 
I'm not going to say that. Now, does, does that mean the person will never get better? Well, no, I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen in that person's life. But I can say as a practitioner that I'm not betting on that person getting better if he or she isn't even going to therapy, right? So one, go to therapy. So our first pillar is we're attending therapy and we're attending therapy with consistency, right? So it's not like I'm going to go to one session and then blow off the next one. You know what? I'm going to blow off the next one too. And I'll go to the fourth one. You follow the fourth week. No, no, no. We're going to go to psychotherapy. We're going to go with consistency. Okay. And when we're at psychotherapy, we're going to engage exposures, right? So that assumes admittedly that our therapist is doing what he or she is supposed to be doing, i.e. evidence-based um, psychotherapy. Okay, fine. So Pillar one is I'm going to therapy and I'm going with consistency. When I'm there, I'm engaging exposures. Okay. What's pillar two? Pillar two is in between sessions, in between sessions, I'm engaging my homework. So what's the homework going to be? Well, with exposure and response prevention, the homework becomes the exposure you did in the session before. So if you do a session today uh, with me, here we are, we're doing an exposure uh, together. Well, your homework uh, this week is going to be to replicate this exposure that we're here doing together on your own at home, right? So you're going to go for 45 to 60 minutes each day to the best of your ability and, and, uh, and availability uh, to to go ahead and re and replicate that exposure uh, each day, like I say, between sessions. Uh, so that's the second of the pillars you're going to do homework. The third uh, of, of those pillars is you're going to engage a technique that challenges the absolutistic veracity of obsessions. Uh, oh, now what does that mean? Well, it essentially means we're going to live in uncertainty. We're not going to work to disprove thoughts. We're not going to work to to bet all of our chips on the truthfulness of the thoughts. We're going to be able to live in a place of neutrality that says maybe, uh, maybe not. I don't really know, right? So if the thought is that I'm, oh no, I'm going to sexualize a child. Well, I'm not going to lean into that and say, oh yes, I am, 100%. That is going to happen, right? No, I'm also not going to say, oh, I will not do that. That's not going to happen and lean away from it. If you follow what I mean by that, right? We're going to live in a, in a place of uncertainty. That's really the, the technical uh, and million dollar word uncertainty. We're going to live in a place of uncertainty and say, ah, you know what? I don't know. Now that's scary and it's really scary. I'm not suggesting otherwise. But it's an important element of good therapy when it comes to OCD work. We have to be able to challenge the absolutistic veracity. And by absolutistic, I mean yes or no, you know, black or white, up or down. But there's a continuum uh, to the truthfulness. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Okay. And I've done a podcast on this before. I would uh, I would refer you to that uh, podcast on this idea of challenging the veracity of some of these thoughts such that we're acknowledging, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen. Okay, that's the third pillar. The fourth pillar is being able to identify and stop compulsions in real time. And again, I have podcasted uh, extensively, exhaustively on this topic. It's extremely important. I would say it's one of the most important uh, 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 clinical skills 
that one can encounter and sharpen in the process of beating OCD. They're, they're, they're simply, in terms of skills, I cannot think of one skill that is more important than the skill of learning to identify a compulsion in real time and then turning that into the decision to forcibly stop it. There simply is no other skill that's more important. That's the fourth pillar. The fifth, the fifth pillar is, uh, and I would say this is the most important of the five pillars, always stop compulsions. Always stop compulsions, right? Now, does that mean that you're going to um, turn into this sort of superhero person and you're never, ever going to engage a compulsion again? Well, no, that's not what it means. But it does mean that we're always striving to stop compulsions. We're never going to to sh sort of shrug our shoulders and say, ah, you know what, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give into this one. It's okay. You know, eh, that's all right. That's all right. It's not all right. We're not ever going to adopt the attitude that says, okay, I'm going to let the OCD win this one. Sometimes that will happen. Yep, it will. Does that mean that I walk into a situation with the purpose of allowing compulsions to take over? The answer to that is absolutely not ever, period. I'm always working to stop my compulsions. In fact, it's so important that there's a why box question on that. How hard are you working and trying to resist compulsions? Right? If you Google why box two, why box dash Roman numeral two, the severity scale at the end, you're going to see the eighth question. No, the seventh question on why box two is it's an, it's an effort question. It's, it's asking you how hard are you resisting your compulsions? It's a really important question, so much so that of the 10 questions, one of them is devoted just to how hard are you trying to resist your, your compulsions, right? So you see, and th this idea that I'm just going to let my compulsions happen, I'm not going to work to resist them. Well, let's walk it back. Let's suppose, pillar one, you go to therapy and you, you're rolling in there every week and you're checking that box. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to therapy. Number two, pillar two, you're doing your homework, right? You're, you're going ahead and you're sitting down, you're doing your exposures for 45 to 60 minutes, like a, like a good, you know, OCD patient and so on. And, and the, the, the third pillar, you know, you're working these, you know, these cognitive restructuring skills and, you know, you're, you're working to master whatever, whatever. And, and then the next one is, yeah, and you're, you're working to identify uh, and stop, or you're working to identify compulsions, but then the fifth one comes, stop compulsions and you blow that one off. Let's just imagine together, you're going to therapy, you're doing your homework, you're challenging your thoughts, you're identifying your compulsions, but when it comes to stopping them, you just don't. Reality is, you're not going to get better. You're not. You're not going to get better. Right now, I told you in the beginning of this podcast, or, or close to the beginning, that each of those five pillars is necessary for meaningful symptom reduction. It's true. I, I've seen that over the course of hundreds and, and hundreds and hundreds of cases, right? It's really important. Each of those five elements is really important. And I've had to have a, an honest sort of come to Jesus conversation with many people through the years about, I'm, look, I'm just telling you, I have significant and sincere concerns that you're not going to make much progress because you're not doing this or that, right? And really challenge guys or gals to step up their game because it's like, look, this isn't cheap. This isn't uh, you know, inexpensive. This is expensive intervention that you're paying for, but 
I don't think you're going to get much out of this if you're not engaging the protocol, right? The protocol is what is researched. The protocol is, uh, is, is that to which the outcome data points. I can't sit here and say, if you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're going to make the same progress as the person who is doing those things. Do you follow what I'm saying? Bottom line is we have to be able to stop the compulsions in an honest and a meaningful way. Uh, and, and that's where it all, co all comes back to. So yeah, the, the, the five pillars are important, but that fifth pillar supersedes them all. It is extremely important that we're working to identify compulsions as the enemy, not the anxiety, right? Not the obsessions, the intrusive thoughts, but where I actually have control that is essential. So back to the question, how long is this going to take? Fundamentally, the answer is as long as it takes you to master your compulsions. For some people, you know, that's a couple of weeks. If they have a lot of money to blow and some time to, to sit around, and then we can do an intensive outpatient program and get symptoms under control quickly. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe... It, you know, you're, you're the sort of person that I'm not going to be able to just identify and stop these behaviors. So it's going to mean it, it takes it takes longer, right? The, the fundamental and essential answer to the question, how long is this going to take is how long will it take you to make specific targeted behavioral changes and then maintain those headings? So the the answer for the average patient is four months, four months of working with a specialist, learning techniques, strategies, sharpening those skills, implementing them consistently and making meaningful therapeutic progress about four months. Like I say, from start to finish, once a week, about an hour at a time from having intense symptoms related to OCD to having a full skill set and subclinical symptom severity. About four months, give or take. Well, thanks very uh, much again, as always, for listening to OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have uh, to chrisline04 at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for listening to OCD Straight Talk.